If you had the money, would you buy your own business? And if the answer is no, you need to listen to the conversation Lynn and I are about to have. Welcome to Transforming the Trades, the podcast where we empower you to take charge and innovate your business. Whether you're a plumber, electrician, or any other trade professional, this show is designed to give you the tools and strategies you need to succeed. Sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to take your business to the next level with Transforming the Trades. Hey, Brian. Hey, Lynn. Thanks for for being in our uh, series of uh, inaugural podcast. I am honored that you decided that you could come in and be part of this today. And I really wanted you to come on and be a guest because I feel like you have a very unique perspective on what I'm trying to get out into the marketplace, the community that you and I spend so much time with, which is about where are we going? What's going to transform us from where we are to where we will be in three years, five years? And I want you to share with our audience who you are, who you, what you do. Um, but I believe your experience is different than so many others. And you are kind of a unicorn. Well, thank you. So we'd like to hear from that today. So I'm going to let you go ahead. Why don't you introduce yourself? Absolutely. Introduce- well, thank you for having me. You know, you and I have a longstanding relationship. Yes. We know probably most of the same people. Um, my name is Brian Cohen. The company I work for is SFMP Advisors. So SFMP Advisors was founded 20 plus years ago by Fred Silverstein, our president and CEO, who was a CPA. So Fred had worked with Blue Dot and went through a round of consolidations in the late 90s. Um, and Fred wanted to know kind of where his next step was within the company. And I think it was the current CFO said, well, I'm not going anywhere. So Fred had to make some decisions. He had really become an incredible um, evaluator of these businesses and kind of went out on his own and did some independent work. Um, so Blue Dot, I think, was one of his clients. And then he started getting help. Uh, some of these PE groups were calling him to help value some assets as well. And that was, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. And then he hung his shingle and became SF&P Advisors. So I started in with Fred, I think, at the end of 2016, beginning of 2017, right as he was closing uh, Dave Geiger's deal which at that particular point in time was, you know, reset everything that's going on in our space. Like that was the biggest deal with one of the biggest players and everybody loves Dave, like a sweetheart of a guy, right? Gives away information and advice for free, wants to grow his business and wants everybody else to succeed. That was a really big deal. So that one followed by Ken Goodrich's deal, which was the second big one that happened a little bit later that year. And I had started right when all of that happened. So for me, you know, listen, for the first time in my life, I think the timing actually worked out. Right? I mean, so nothing like walking in the door with a really yes. cool thing going on, right? Yes. And I was able to turn around and say, hey, by the way, do you know these two? We just did their deal. Let's have a conversation. And we started having a whole lot of conversations, right? And one thing led into another. And then you have COVID and everybody got crazy and a lot of deals happened. So in the last three years, we've probably done you know, north of 110 to 115 transactions, where we normally used to do 12 to 15 a year. So that's how crazy the space has gotten. So the question you ask, it sounded like you said, Brian, let's look, let's look into your crystal ball together mm-hmm. so we can predict out. That's exactly what I said. Get your crystal ball out and let's talk about what we see. Yeah. I don't think consolidation ever stops. You know, everybody thinks it's, oh, like there are so many companies You know, to put it in perspective for you, I think between Phoenix and Scottsdale, there are almost 3,500 licensed HVAC contractors. Wow. 
like you can never stop doing deals in that area, right? There's always somebody who's there, you know, there's, there's more work than they know what to do with out there. So just to kind of put it in perspective. So give you another example. We were doing a, a transaction for a company in the Northeast, right? And again, the population density is pretty thick. And one of the buyers had asked, well, you know, how deeply have you penetrated this market? I mean, you've been here for however long you've been here for, right? And he said, I don't even think 1%. I guess so when, when you look at the big picture, I think that this continues to move on. And, and again, a lot of the larger companies have gotten transactions done, right? When I say larger, I, I'm, I'm talking probably north of maybe two, two and a half million dollars of EBITDA, right? They've gotten their deals done and good for them. They got paid. They're, they're going to get their potential second bite of the apple, the equity roll and all the other stuff. But I think where the next level of this goes, right? And this gets talked about quite often, by the way, somebody's going to go public. Somebody's going to go to the market and say, okay, we've got this big business and now it's time for next level payday. And you may see a couple of these larger PE groups come together and take something very large to market. And that will reset things again. But it hasn't happened yet. It's been talked about. I haven't seen any movement forward on it. But to think that it would not happen, I think would be foolish. What would it take to make that happen? A lot of money. A lot of time. It's expensive. Yeah. Go into the... See... As it currently sits, right, if you're a private equity firm, right, you raise private funds, you have a, a investor accreditation questionnaire, whatever, right, you got to be about a certain age, make a certain amount of money, the money comes in, this is what this looks like, and they take the money and they invest it in the companies. And when you're investing into a, a, a PE fund, you want to see what the other funds have done. Do these guys have their act together? How many successful exits have they had? Because that's where you make your money is on the right, exit, right? Right, right, right. Um, and it's easier to do, and you don't have to talk to anybody about it. You're going to follow your taxes and your, your normal stuff, but it's accredited investors, right? When you go to the private markets, you have to disclose everything, like every quarter. It is expensive. It is a staff of attorneys that are constantly filing. I don't know if they're SB10s. Don't hold me to the, the coding. But then there were years ago, there was a Sarbanes-Oxley Act, which yeah. again, I'm not an yeah. attorney, but mm -hmm. which, which got after the dot-com you know, stuff. It, right. it got a little, little nerve-wracking to, to do this because everybody was trying to do it and become billionaires overnight. But I think you're going to see that. It's just an expensive undertaking. So who is going to foot the bill for that? Which P group is going to step up with the attorneys to go ahead and make that happen? Or who on the outside says, hey, we can figure out how to fund this to, to, to take it to the next place. And it could be very interesting at that point in time. So I just learned that a PE group sold to Ace Hardware. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was very interesting. They, Ace is uh, another buyer who, you know, they've looked at some of our, you know, potential transactions. Um, I don't believe to date we've completed anything with them. And I can't tell you how far down the path that they've, they've gone with anything, but they've looked at some deals. Yeah, I, I thought that was very telling in a lot of ways. It's a great, right? If, if a player like that is coming in, you know, realize these, these businesses are also looking for other ways to make money too, right? You take a look at Home Depot, they figured out how to monetize everything. Right. Everything. Right. I don't think Ace does it to their level. So maybe this is Ace's play, right? Is to get involved in, in this space to that level. It's a, uh, could be very cool. So when we talk about the community, the contractors that we have today, why is this message important about the marketplace, about the buyer and the seller market, the private equity players. Why is that important? If I'm uh, ABC Plumbing in Orlando and I've got five trucks, why do I care? 
as more consolidation happens in your area and more people sell, they're getting economies of scale that you don't have. As a smaller contractor that has the ability to pivot very quickly, right, and, and, and maybe doesn't need to charge the top end of the range of what they could get in a particular area because they don't have the same overhead. But at the same time, you've got big guys that are more efficient, right, that they get, you know, get more money, incredible price breaks right. that, that have a better sales system. So, you know, where do you want, ultimately, where do you want to be? I know plenty of guys that want to be small because they're okay being small because the, re the reality is you're most profitable, like between three and a half and four million. As soon as you have to bring in the sales manager, the general manager and pay that salary, I don't want to say you become everybody else, but you know, it, it, you have an overhead, you have some o standard overheads that, that are going to hit you every two weeks. But <laughs> is there like a small fish in a big sea scenario here? So Am I a goldfish and there's a lot of whales around me that's going to eat me up? Is that? Could. So you, you got to make a decision. What do you want to do? Like, do you, again, some guys are small on purpose. Some guys are small because they don't know how to get bigger. Like, what are you, right? Once you know what you <laughs> well, are, then you can start making some decisions in which direction I, I, you want to go, right? I get that you don't know you, what you don't know, right? right. So you, you are out there trying to figure it out and... My takeaway on it is, is that if that's what the market's driving, something's driving it beyond the fact that it's PEs. Consumers have got to have a play here in this space. You know, they're looking for uh, stability. They're looking for trusted branding. They're looking for trusted uh, services, that sort of thing. Sure. And so... I believe there's a message in that. And so where I'm at is that if I'm a three to $5 million company, I got to figure out how to play and compete against that. Agree on one side and disagree on the other side. Yes, you okay. do. So bigger isn't always better. Right. Right. Sometimes a guy that has a business that's doing between three and five, he's got great people working for him. They've been with him for you know, 10, 15, 20 years, they don't want to go anywhere. Everybody's happy. Why do you want to change that? If it's throwing off a certain amount of cash flow and the owner doesn't have to be there every day and he's built a, you know, a business where he could travel and do his stuff because his guys are seasoned, he doesn't have to babysit them. Mm -hmm. Why would he want to go to 10 million? Right. Right. Cause you know, when you grow, you're going to bring in other people that change culture, right? That every person that comes in, you got to conform them to your culture. Like Growing isn't always the easiest thing to do. And what are you growing for? Just the sake of growing? Like you still have to be profitable. And once you kind of crest over 5 million, there's a new set of overhead that comes into play. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, the, and, and again, as you get bigger, you know, a lot of these smaller businesses, they grow or they are successful sometimes based upon the owner's personality and strength of will and strength of character too, right? That they, their, their emotion plays a lot into it. And when you get bigger, you have to have certain systems in place. And some of these guys maybe don't want to put the systems in place. Right. And they don't want to make everybody accountable. Maybe they got mature guys who are going to show up every day, get the job done. They know what they have to charge. They know where they can make more, where they have to make less or where they, where they can make, where we unfortunately have to make less, but it's consistent. I mean, there is something to be said for, for the consistency where every day you're not waking up pissing on fires because mm -hmm. you've got a, a, a decently managed business. So in this, in the consolidation, the, investment play that's resulted as from of the bigger players and the PE groups that are investing and even thinking about the bigger, who's going to go public type thing. How do you feel that that has changed the services, the products, the employees that work and that are sold through these companies? How do you feel that that has changed? Well, everybody gets measured now. 
everybody gets measured now. So one of the things, see, so it's interesting you say that, right? So, so one of the fears when we do a deal is the owner says, well, when everybody finds out, they're going to leave. Right? Yeah. Well, first off, everybody thinks everybody's for sale anyhow. Yeah. And my response is the person that leaves after your transaction is the person you should have fired before anyhow. Because they know that they're going to be accountable to certain standards and certain numbers. Because you're dealing with a PE firm now that manages numbers. Like you got to produce and perform, right? Because that's how they're figuring out how everybody's going to go make the next level of money. Your very good employees, your motivated ones say, there's nothing but opportunity in front of me now. We're latched up with a bigger group. I don't have to worry about the, the owner freaking out or not being able to make payroll or you know, a lot of times you do these deals for growth and to protect your people. If you really care about your people, like, like, so here, so one of the things I say is like, you know, we've been in this economic weird spot, right? So if you think the market is going to continue to go down, then you should have done a deal already. <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm serious. Like, like, why don't you write it out on somebody else's checkbook? Why would you write it out on yours? Like, what did you do during 2009 to 2012? Remember how fun that was? Right. If you think we're heading into that or we're in that now, then get a deal done. Why would you want to stress out unless you just, you know, yeah. love to punish yourself? Yeah. But for, for employees, I think it gets better. So you take a look at all of the technology that's coming into our space to make things better and potentially easier, right? You got to figure out how to be able to take advantage of all that. So if you can be training your employees, like, like listen, we're at a Service Titan event, right? And, and they're talking about AI and all these other great things that can happen. Wow, does that not make your people better? Like you make you more efficient, right? Honestly, you have to, don't have to work as hard, but a, here's a lot of information that you could put a lot of things together with. I think it's fair to say, and I've been in this longer than you have, different perspective on this is that now you're really validating this industry versus that you're just a small local business mom and pop store. And there's a whole phenomenon around that. In fact, you know, when Home Depot started, you probably weren't even born, <laughs> but when Home Depot was, was started, everybody was for sure. They were going to go out of business. Home Depot was going to put everybody out of business. By the way, the hardware stores were one of those suspects. Ace, HWI, there was one that was Service Star at the time. And all Home Depot did was just create a better demand. Demand. And, at, and also, pricing. And pricing. Yeah. Along with it actually enabled them to grow. There's that saying, a rising tide lifts all ships. Right. So what I see in our space is there are certain owners that are very aggressive, right? And they charge at the upper end of the range. And when they show up in a market, right, people get a little nervous. They should be sending thank you notes because they just raise the price that everybody can charge now. Right. Right. And, right. Ev and everybody does it. And they all make more money when that happens. And that's what you're basically saying is that this Again, I think it's validated it. It's it's paved the way. We're standing on the shoulders of those folks that did the hard work to get it to where it's at. Sure. Honestly, if, if we had a group go public, I think it would be an amazing opportunity for the industry as a whole, as well as the consumers that they serve. Agreed. For the reasons that you stated, it's all about accountability, it's systemizing, it's operationalizing, it's creating efficiencies, um, and it's actually, again, and I, I'll say the, the trades, they're having struggle, they're struggling hiring people. Now you all of a sudden have a, uh, an opportunity to recruit people with a more, uh, less risk. Most trades people I know that have left have left because they don't want the risk. 
Well, and, and you can put a pot of gold in front of them potentially, right? Hey, right. you get vested shares and this is what this looks like. And with right. your company for a certain period of time, like, I don't want to say that you're a real company, but when you think about, you know, people that go into these quote unquote woke, white collar positions where they're, here's an offer and here's what a 401k match looks like. And then you get these vested shares, like, like a J and J type of thing, you know, that brought that to the trade. So to that end, yes, I think you'll bring a different caliber person in, or the people that are here will say, Hmm, there is a really big opportunity here. And maybe they don't necessarily need to go out and go open their own business. They could stay with somebody for a longer period of time. Right. Correct. Which builds more value into the business. And the longer you're there, here's more shares. So whatever that looks like. So if I'm not mistaken, on the mechanical side, there are some companies that have gone public. You have Comfort Systems, I think, that has gone public. And I think, um, God, there's another one somewhere on the, on the East Coast. I can't think of them off the top of my head. I think MCOR is another one. Right. And then I think uh, Limebach, Limbaugh uh, out of Pittsburgh, I think they potentially might be another one. I know they're huge. I know Comfort Systems has done for yeah, sure. Yeah, Comfort S Systems. But, yeah, huge. I agree, but it's expensive. But OK, but now now you're there and you're right. It, it break, break, I think in that scenario, everybody becomes better because of that. Here's another potential option for an exit from PE instead of moving these businesses back and forth. Right. And, and now, you, I don't know, it's just another kind of goal to be able to shoot for. Yeah, we were just talking at lunch and we we're talking about the entrepreneur gene that it seems like some people have, some people don't. By the way, if everybody did, then we'd all be doing it, right? <laughs> but I worked uh, 12 years at IBM. And even though that was for a large corporation, I was still very entrepreneurial because I was given the privilege, I think, to run a whole sales channel. Mm -hmm. And I had accountability. It was about accountability. I had to deliver, but I got paid handsomely to do that. The thing that was uh, similar to being an entrepreneur, they didn't bug me. They just made me accountable. Sure. And that was the difference of maybe starting something similar to that versus working for a very large corporation who made me, who fulfilled me, my individual, right? aspirations of being an entrepreneur and I was part of, you know, 350,000 other people. Well, well think about this when they make you accountable to a certain numbers and certain standards and you achieve them, oftentimes there comes a, a, a nice check that comes along with that too. That's correct. Right. Right. That's correct. That's correct. That is correct. Yeah. But in our, in our space, you know, again, HVAC is cyclical, right? So it's some of it's weather driven, but you look at some of the best companies, they figured out how to still be successful regardless of what the weather is doing, right? So, so there's just, there's just so many things. And, and, you know, when you take a look at some of these most successful businesses and you look at some of their characteristics, to your point, they have an entrepreneurial mindset, their employees do, they're always thinking, what else could I do for the business, right? There's this saying, if I have to tell you to pick up the brick to help build the house, you're not the person I should be building it with. That's right. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. think that's how the, the, the saying goes. But if you have created that right culture and your people are incentivized properly and they are looking at your business as if it's their business, right? So I heard this before and I was at one of these events, you know, we always pick up these nuggets, right? And, and somebody said, how many are you in business for yourself? You know, and, and not a lot of people in the, the, the seminar raised their hands and said, no, you're all in business for yourselves because your employer is your, is your biggest client. Treat them like that. Treat them you like don't want that. to lose no. that client, right? And if you shift the mindset to that, what do you get accomplished, right? It's like you, you, you're, you're taking on ownership for a lot of things. So I don't know how much more money they make. Do you figure out ways to drive more revenue? Are you coming up with better referral programs? Are you bringing your game every day to keep the culture up? Are you one of those people that when you walk in, you lift all the tides? Like, can you imagine if you had a whole team of people that were like that? You know, how much better would you do, you know? 
And again, a lot of it, a lot of it really does come down to culture, right? When, when, when we sell these businesses and we're sitting having these conversations, like you get an idea from the owner kind of what they're about. Are they looking at their phone nonstop? Because we've sat in meetings where a phone doesn't ring at all. And you're like, wow, that's pretty interesting. They've got a pretty big business. How does that happen? Right? Because he's empowered all of his people to make decisions, right? And we've sat in the meetings where the phone doesn't stop. And you realize, okay, this business is, it needs the owner to be there, right? Right. And it's two different businesses. Right. You know? Right. Not good or bad. I'm just, you know, two different scenarios. Like as an owner, which one would you rather have? Right. Some people love the drama. They love that they have to piss on a fire every day to make things happen. Mm -hmm. And some want none of that, mm -hmm. you know? Well, so what's your opinion and what's your thoughts around the whole economic downturn conversations that we're hearing? Sure. So let's look at it. So we had basically 0% interest before, a lot of low-hanging fruit during COVID. Everybody said, the hell with it. If it's 0% and I can get financed pretty easily, let's go replace. The replacements are off now, mm -hmm. right? Interest rates are up, right? Which means not only does the consumer have to pay more, but I'm sure the discount you have to pay the finance company grew too, which means you have to charge more money right. in order to make the same thing you were making from before. And you don't have as many of those, right, replacements as you did from before. So you better get good at service. So that's the shift. You got to get good at it. Got to get, I, that's my view, but I just wanted to see if you had the same view. Yeah. And yeah. maybe you have to come up with some other avenues to generate revenue within your business, whatever that looks like, right? I don't have the answer for that. But what I have been saying is, and again, you had a, a soft first and second quarter, right? So the numbers were flat to down and some people got really beaten up. But again, there's some of them that kicked ass and grew. Well, what is the guy kicking ass and growing? What are they doing? What culture do they have there? Like, we get it. It's going to get hot in Arizona in the summer. It's going to get hot in Florida. It's going to get hot in these places. You're going to be able to make it happen when it doesn't get hot. So what are you, how are you teaching your people to say it doesn't matter what's going on outside, mm -hmm. right? We need to perform every day. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. You know, and that starts with ownership. You know, it starts with leadership and moves its way down to the people. So if it becomes an excuse up top, then it's an excuse for everybody else. But when you ask, what, what is all this going to do? Well, multiples have shifted, right? Because capital is more expensive for private equity. So if it costs them more to borrow the money, they can't give you as much, right? right. So maybe somebody was getting it. And by the way, don't hold me to this, just roughing out some numbers. So maybe a guy was getting a 10X last year is not getting a 10X offer this year, right? right. How far off is it? Depends on the business, so on and so forth. But it is not going to be the 10 like it was from before. And then what comes up is, well, no problem. We'll just wait till next year when it comes back. I said, well, you tell me the last time these 10X numbers were being thrown around willy-nilly like this. You tell me ever in the history of our space. And the answer is, well, never. I said, so you're waiting for the once-in-a-lifetime event is going to happen again next year. right? Let, let's really figure this out. But that's where this gets interesting. So our sellers are in a couple different pots. The ones we love doing deals with the most are the they're in business. It's business for them, right? They know what they can get on a multiple. They understand maybe they lose a little bit today as compared to where it was last year. However, if the marketplace continues to go down, they have a safe haven because they got a private equity partner now with their checkbook, right? Instead of the personal checkbook of the owners. And if it goes down, so what? They got paid today. And big deal. These PE groups aren't going to let these guys fail. So instead of the flip coming in three years, it happens in four years or five years, they got to ride it out a little bit longer. So be it. But at the same time, if the economy goes down and they got paid today, they got a war chest. Everything goes on sale. Property goes on sale. You tell me what else does goes on sale. And now you get the ability to write checks for it. You'll make that much more money out of it. That's a, how a business person looks at it. Actually, the PEs are going to win in this, to be honest. Sure. It's like the 2008, 2009 downturn in the housing market, right? So it's exactly the same scenario. 
It is. Yeah. Except the difference is I think this time around is that the interest rates were so low for these folks that they're, they're setting these very low interest and they can afford to pay. But yeah. that's on the housing side. That's yeah. a probably a whole other Well, thing, but yes. it was kind of more along the lines of what happened. So oh, yeah, yeah. They, they bought low, and now, of course, they're making Well, when's the best time? Money. money is made during recessions and depressions, that's not during bull markets. That right? is correct. Ken Goodrich actually said something very interesting at, at an event. And he's like, listen, when the market's going up and everybody's kicking ass, everybody's a genius. Real genius isn't during these times. Real genius is when things are going against you and you keep figuring out how to win. And he was right with what he said. But again, if you haven't done a deal and you wait till next year and the guy that was getting a 10 last year that's maybe getting, we'll say, less than a nine this year, where is he at next year? Uh, in a seven? You want to hang yourself next year if it's a seven, you didn't get a deal done, right? And if the marketplace goes up and you did your deal this year, so what? You've got an equity roll, so your stock grew on the other side. Big whoop, you got the hedge. Really, the only way you get hurt is not doing a deal and the marketplace goes down. So then the bigger question is, what's happening next year going into an election year? Right. But your guess is as good as mine on that one. But so you take a look at it, right? I, usually an election year is a down year. So if it's an election year and there's, we'll call it political headwinds for another, again, not to get political, but Democrats seem to be less pro-business than Republicans. And let's say it's a Democrat situation that want to keep playing games with the interest rates and, and give away a lot of stuff, like which goes on. I think you're going to see a lot of people that are saying, I'm not going to sit around like this for four more years. And you're going to see a lot of people are going to go to market. So you're going to get a surplus of deals at market, which doesn't really help anybody. It might lower the multiples again, right? Mm -hmm. Again, if you, the headwinds are, hey, we got a business guy, person who's going to come in to run the country. I think things stabilize and they sit the way they are for a couple of years. We shall see. But we're right. We shall see. Well, here's my crystal ball. I gave you that all, was the, your all, the, ball. all the yeah. different looks. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Brian... Talk to me about when you were talking about the um, assessment of the value of a company and you included this thought that culture was part of the equation. Sure. So help the audience understand what that means today. And then what would you think about that being a factor in the future as part of this whole where we're going to be in a year, two years, three years? So what needs to be improved, stabilized, emphasized, if you will, about culture in their business and how important is that in a decision from a private equity company or a buyer? Sure. So when I, when you like two different types of businesses, right? One where there's systems in place. And the question I always ask an owner is this, if you want to get an idea, right, of, and I think culture is part of this and I'll get there with you in a moment. Just let me go through this with you. When I ask an owner, how long can you be away from your business and it continues to perform? Whatever the definition of perform is, right? Is it a week? Is it a month? Is it many months? What's that look like? The longer they can be away from their business, chances are the culture is better, right? Because they have instilled empowerment. Their people are empowered to be able to make decisions. The owner has instilled, hey, here's how I like things to be done. And everybody kind of adheres to that standard. Thus, he can be away from his business, mm -hmm. right? On the flip side, you have an owner that has to make every decision. Everything has to go through them, right? And at that point in time, the employees are afraid to make the wrong decision. Because the wrong decision, they're going to get ridiculed by the owner. I'm generalizing, by the way. I don't say this happens no, all the time, but you I, get stereotyping what I'm saying. No, I understand. Um, so when you look at that, you just off of what are the, the two characteristics I gave, which one do you think has a better culture? Oh, by all means, the one right. that is empowered. But culture is also when you walk in the door, right? If I'm an employee, right, again... Your clients aren't just the people you're selling a, a system to. They're also your employees. 
when your employees walk in, right, do they feel proud to be in this space? Look how gorgeous this is. I can't wait to show my family and friends where I work, what goes on. Am I respected, you know, at my office or do I have an employee appreciation? Is there something or birthdays being announced? Do we feel like this is a team? Because, you know, it's hard to leave a family. Right. So if you created that culture of a family atmosphere where we take care of each other, we have each other's back, everybody's empowered, they're, they're, they're structured out properly, and they have, you know, a really nice high, an opportunity to go high uh, financially and within their career. God, then it's an investment they're making back into, into the business. Like, they, why would they leave if they've been there for a number of years? Obviously, there's a, there's a path for them to, to go do some greatness or, or go achieve some great things if that's what they want. There's no right or wrong. Like there's businesses where the owners involved a lot and, and they're huge and that's fine. I'm, I'm just giving the differences of these two types of businesses. But when you think about culture, I mean, you, you take a look down to the employee level. They, are they enthusiastic to be there, to go to work, to go make something happen every day? Like, have you figured out a way to hit that switch? An employee shows up and they're like, boom, okay, I'm going to get challenged and that's okay. That's what I'm looking for. And I'm going to have some fun and, you know, and I'm going to be pissed at times. I'm going to love it and hate it. I think that's kind of like the chemistry you need, like to keep everybody's juices going, to get excited that about what you're doing. That is a family. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. You don't love each other all the time. No, of course and not. And you don't hate each other all the time. And you certainly want to punch each other in the nose occasionally. So, yeah, it's, that's, that's absolutely true. But if you don't have that culture down as you grow, eventually it fragments off. Right. Sure. So when PE comes in, there's a certain type of culture that they're looking for. And, you know, a lot of it comes through the conversations they have with the owner. Gotcha. Oh, thank you for that. Sure. So I want you to come back. Okay. I want to touch base again. Thank you for sharing your words of wisdom today. Yeah. I think it's a different You're perspective. At the end of the day, most of my clients, at least, even if they're not thinking about selling today, they're thinking about when I do sell or what's going to happen in five years, 10 years. And that's why I feel like this conversation is so relevant to how we will transform. All the years I've been in this business, the last, since you, 2016, when you got into it, if you will, this uh, um, heightened interest about how to sell, that was a strange time. I mean, listen, and you got Facebook and everybody's spouting off yeah. about the multiples and everybody knows every, sure. so I'll tell you something funny. We talked about this right now. Well, I didn't talk, I talked about this earlier. I used to show up at these events and nobody would come in my booth. Because nobody wanted to be seen around the, the guy that sells the businesses sells because the, business, the reputation yeah. would get out that, hey, they're selling because nobody understood what selling really was. Mm -hmm. Now, people hang out. <laughs> they want to figure it out. <laughs> they want to hang out. They want to have conversations like they're realizing that they are, you know, learning that they, they have to get some you know, questions answered so they understand it. Like it's it's being seen from a different perspective. Exactly. It's a it's definitely part of the the mindset that is the business owner today. Agreed. And the other thing, which is, which is interesting too, and, and you get this because you know, you're on the financial side of this, you know, a different size businesses have to make different decisions. The decisions a $5 million guy makes is different than the decisions a $15 million guy makes. The problem is not always does the $5 million guy and $15 million guy know their worth five and 15. I, so they're making most of them don't. Right. So yeah, my, most of them don't. our rub has been for a very long time. How are you making certain decisions in your business? If you don't know really how big you are, Right. To, to think that you got a $15 million business that doesn't have a CFO. Right. That there's some decisions that need to be made. You're still thinking with a $5 million mindset, you know, um, or at least a controller. 
Right. At least, right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Some, somebody who has understands the numbers. Right. They right. can sit down with the owner, explain to them what these different things actually truly mean and how to lean on certain parts of the business to be able to, you know, maximize profit us. Ultimately, I think that's what they all want to do anyhow, right? It's like, to, to put it in a different perspective, right? If you were going to remodel your bathroom, right? And let's say at a $500,000 house, right? How much are you spending on the remodel of your bathroom? Today? Yeah. Probably 50000 Right. You wouldn't spend 200000 I wouldn't, but some people would. Well, you wouldn't. Wait, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, 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 you wouldn't spend two hundred thousand on remodeling a bathroom of a five hundred thousand no, dollar house. No, no. You'd spend two hundred thousand dollars remodeling a bathroom on a three or four million dollar house, Correct. possibly. But my point is, we understand that on a home. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, you would make that. That of course that makes sense, but not to understand it on your business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. So how can our how can our listeners get a hold of you? Call me. Call you. Call Brian, SF&P. 954-226-3409. That's my cell number. There text, he is. Shoot me a text. We'll have a conversation. I'll give you an idea where your business is at. It'll help shape some of the decisions that you're making. You know, you, you bring up a really uh, good point, and I know this is how you guys operate. It doesn't hurt to go talk to you all. Understand what's going on. Have a, a heartbeat on this. Understand it. You don't have to sell today, but you need to think about where you're going and what's driving those movements. So I think that's where you all become a very valuable resource. Well, I appreciate that. Because then again, one, one last thing, because what's funny is we get a phone call. All right, I'm ready to sell. I said, I've been talking to you for two years. We could have put numbers together two years and helped you over a course of two years to get you where you want to go. Now you drop your stuff on me because now you woke up and you're ready to go. And here I am going through your numbers and I got problems. And I can't get something done in four to six months. I need a longer runway because I have to wait for certain things to work themselves out. So to your point, there's never a bad time to call. You can never call me too early. You really can only call too late. So why don't you give me a call? Let's have a conversation. Sounds good. Thanks, Brian. You're awesome. Thank you. You're awesome, mm -hmm. too. Thank you for tuning in to Transforming the Trades. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained some valuable insights and tips for your trade business. If you found this podcast helpful, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to check out our website where you can find additional resources and information to help you grow your business. Until next time, keep innovating and take charge of your success.